says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, do I have anybody in here who's in Christ? You get in Christ when you repent of your sins and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's how you get in Christ. Uh, So if you're in Christ, you are a what? A new, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And over the next several weeks, uh, I'm, I'm supposed to be talking. The Spirit of God wants me to talk to you. And I, may, I don't know how long we'll go on this, but revival. How many of you could use a little revival in your life? A little revival. So I don't know where we're headed with all of this other than we're going to be talking about revival over the next uh, several weeks. And uh, we're supposed to start off talking about revival in our identities. Revival in our identities. Now, a lot of times when you think about revival, you think about people, you know, coming to the altar and getting saved. Or you think about certain, you know, certain things that you would, would relate with revival. But this is a little different the way the Spirit of God has me going, at least here to start the year. We need a revival in our identities. In who we are in Christ. And uh, we'll say more about that as the weeks go on. But you know, an identity is that by which we are known. That by which we are known. For example, our name. A lot of, I mean, we're, I mean, what's the first thing that we identify ourselves with is our our name. You know. And uh, then after that, I guess maybe our families. What family we come from that has to do with our name. Some of us are are. Uh, proud of our families and the families that we come from some of us aren't you know because there's some rowdy characters in our families and we don't want to be associated with them you know you know what I'm talking about sometimes there's some black sheep in the family you know or maybe you are you're not the black sheep of the family are you but we're identified and a lot of times folks don't want to know who you know a lot of times people don't want other people to know who they're related to because, you know, for negative things. Sometimes, you know, you might want to, to you know, like if you come, what's oh, a famous family here in the United States? Uh, the Kennedys, or the Rockefellers, or whatever, you know, you might be real proud if your last name was Rockefeller, or, or, uh, or Kennedy, or, you know, we could, Trump, I don't know, we could... Well, I won't get off on that, but you know... Or what about this? Let's change the subject. What about this? Our accomplishments. How many of us are identified by our accomplishments? Uh, like where we went to school. Uh, not so much high school, but you know, if, if somebody graduated from Harvard, that's going to be something that they'd want associated with, with them, right? That I'm a graduate of Harvard or Yale or I'm a Yale man, I'm a Harvard man. That's an identity, isn't it? You know... Uh, but if you went to some lowly junior college, you might not be as quick to tell somebody that or put that on your resume as you would if you went to Harvard or Yale. Is that correct? Or what clubs you were in? Or athletics, you know, what athletics you, you play or records you set. A lot of times people are identified by what records they've set. You know, it's interesting, though. It's like like golf. I know in golf, I, I used to, you know, take 
great pride in that, you know, I was a real good golfer, you know, and when anybody would talk about me, you know, it usually would come up, well, he's a real good golfer. You know, one thing I found about if, see, what I'm trying to get across to you here is that we need to be sure that our identity is in Christ because that can't be taken away from us. But other things that we identify ourselves with can be taken away, like golf. I don't play golf as good as I used to because I, I don't do it as much. And, uh, and so I don't want to be identified now by the way I play golf now. Do you understand? I would rather be identified by the way I played golf years ago. But, you know, yeah, let's just put it this way. I don't want to be identified with the way I play golf anymore. See, you understand because it's not so good. You, you get what I'm saying? But if but if I identify myself with who I am in Christ, that can never be taken away from me. Maybe you're not real proud of your family. But you know, when you got born again, you became part of a new family. The body of Christ, the family of God. And we can be proud of that. Do you, do you understand? And that can never be taken away from us. And so we need to have a revival in our identities. Now... We could go on and on on with these things like a record. Well, I set a record, but, you know, records are made to be what? Broken. And so you set a record. You know as well as I do, somebody's going to come along somewhere down the road and beat your record. Is that right? So, you know, there's nothing wrong in and of, our, in and of itself being identified with, with an accomplishment. But those accomplishments over time will fade away and people will forget that you set the record. And who won the World Series last year? Huh? Who won the year before that? Who won the year before that? And she doesn't see so. She, and there's some people just don't care. It, and it's the truth. Who won the Super Bowl three years ago? Don't know. And she's never going to care about that. But, but, you see what you see what I'm saying? You know. And there's nothing wrong with Super Bowls and, and, and golf tournaments and, and World Series. But even if you won, you know, or on the team that won the Super Bowl, in time that trophy is going to tarnish, isn't it? But who we are in Christ never gets old. It never tarnishes. Like our friends. Here's a, here, here's a big one that, that a lot of people like to be identified by is who they hang out with. Who their friends are. And you know I remember when I was in school. As a, even in elementary school. I remember this. And then certainly in junior high. And the further you go the more important it becomes. And in high school. There was always a cool group. Was there a cool group in your high school? There's always a cool group. And you know so I wanted to be identified with that cool group. And then how many of you know there was, there was some uncool groups in high school and I didn't want to be identified with the uncool people. I wanted to hang around with the cool people. I wanted to sit at lunch, you know, with, with, with the cool folks and, and, and so on. And, uh, but you know, again, those things can be taken away from you, can't they? And you can lose those things and, and, and how bad you would feel when, I, I don't know if there's anybody in here, you were ever part of the cool group, but then the, somebody, the leader of the cool group got mad at you and they kicked you out and then you couldn't sit at their table at lunch. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, you lost a part of your identity there. But the good news is, is God never kicks you out. And once you're in Christ, you don't get kicked out. And that's good. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is there's many things by which we identify ourselves with. 
But those things can tarnish. Those things can grow old or whatever. We can lose friendships. But, but if we'll identify ourselves with who we are in Christ, then, then, then that's, that's a good thing. That can't be taken away from us. Or perhaps, uh, have you, have you ever heard, uh, uh, you know when I, when I say a name dropper, does, have you ever known somebody that drops names, you know? Hmm? You know what I mean by that? You get in a conversation and by the way, do you know I know so and so? And I know so and so? And I know so and so? And I know so and so? One thing I've learned about people that are name droppers, the people that do that are not secure in their identity. When you get right down to it. There's a pridefulness and there is a inferiority thing that's going on on the inside of them both at the same time. A prideful thing in that guess who I know. Look who I know. Right? And then there is an inferiority thing that's going on on the inside is that they don't feel secure enough in who they are. They have to associate themselves with this named person in order to get recognition. Well, the only name I want to drop is Jesus. How about how about that? Last time I looked, he outranked everybody. And then you could be associated, you know, your identity could be rolled up in your occupation. And so many people, their their identities are rolled up in their occupation. And, you know, um, you know, if somebody has a, what would be considered a, you know, like the, the president of a bank, that would be something really, really wonderful. Or, or, or an attorney, that would be really wonderful. But, but, you know, what's wrong with being somebody that drives a garbage truck? So we think about that. Well, in the society in which we live, if you're a lawyer or a banker, you might be on a higher level than someone who drives a garbage truck or somebody that shingles roofs. What I'm trying to get across to you here is I don't want to look at things as to whether somebody's an attorney or a banker or a garbage truck driver or a roofer. What I'm trying to get across to you is all of them are important and everybody should be looked at equally and viewed equally. And whether you're uh, if you're a banker, you shouldn't think more highly of yourself than you ought. If you shingle roofs, you shouldn't think more lowly of yourselves as you ought, because in Christ, we're all equal. Can, can you say amen? A lot of times it has to do with the way people look. A lot of times people, did you know a lot of times people are, are known by their disability? I remember my wife and I, we, this season we watched The Voice. Did any of you, you uh, watch The Voice at all? Some of them. And there's one guy on there that he sang so good, but guess what? He was blind and his name was Joe and guess what they called him? They called him Blind Joe. And, they, and he wanted to be called that. That, that, he, that it wasn't, they weren't putting him down. But, but a lot of times people are known by a disability that they have. I know in the Bible there was a man named Simon and they called him. He had leprosy. Jesus healed him. But he still was known as Simon the leper. Remember that? Or Bartimaeus. When you think about Bartimaeus, you think about blind Bartimaeus. After Jesus got through with him, though, he wasn't blind anymore. The point is, is that we don't want to associate ourselves with a a, a disability. I know, like in my case, I I was real heavy there for many, many, many years. And, and, uh, 
you know, probably when folks thought of me, maybe they, they would think about he's overweight, you know. Um, I, I, nobody ever told me I was overweight. I kept telling my wife, nobody's ever told me I'm overweight. She said, well, nobody's going to tell you you're overweight. And I asked people, I asked Dale, I said, Dale, am I overweight? He said, no, you're, you're, you're not overweight. <laughs> of course, Dale works for me, you know, so, you know. But, but whatever weight you are in Christ, how many of you know in Christ we're the perfect weight? That's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to get across to you here is that don't, don't think less of yourself because you're maybe overweight or don't think more of yourself because you're in just perfect shape. In Christ, the Bible says in Christ we're neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Gentile. Neither, you know, it doesn't matter. In Christ, we're all equal and we're all valuable. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. And there's a great revival in that. Some people are outgoing. Some people are very quiet and shy. Do you know I found that the people that are quiet and shy a lot of times think less of themselves because they're quiet and shy. And the people that are more outgoing, you know, a lot of times, the, you know, and the people that are quiet and shy a lot of times feel intimidated by the people that are outgoing. But, you know, one thing I've learned about, about the Lord is the people that are quiet and shy a lot of times are more precious in God's sight than the people that are boisterous and, and, and whatnot. But either way, if they're either one of them are in Christ, we're equal. Can you say amen? Am I making clear what I'm trying to get across to you? Because you see, if there's something with our physical body that is, you know, that, that is not appealing, a lot of times we'll go around with our heads hung down and, and lowly. But in Christ, you know, we're all equal. A lot, of, a lot of times it has to do with the amount of money we have or the, the place in which we live, the house in which we live. You know, there's a lot of people that they're, they're wrapped up in, 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 in the house in which they live. And, and that's so important to them. And, and it's important to them that they have a bigger house than, than the guy next door. Or the, they have a bigger house than the guy that they know at church. You know, and, 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 and in Christ, none of that matters. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do, do you remember a few moments ago, and I've said it a couple of times, not to think more highly or not to think more lowly. We'll get to a scripture on that in just a second. But you need to realize something about the devil. The devil is a ditch devil. Real loud, say ditch devil. He's a ditch devil. He wants to get you in a ditch on e- either side of the road. Now, I don't like the devil. And the devil, he's a ditch devil. And he tries to get you on the ditch, in the ditch on one side of the road or the other. He'll either try to get you to maximize yourself and get you to think more highly of yourself than you ought, which is pride. And if he can't get you in that ditch, then he's going to try to get you over here in this other ditch. And he'll try to minimize you and get you to think less of yourself than you ought to think. And I tell you what, in my years of dealing with many multitudes of Christians. I've seen this. I've seen that the devil has gotten more Christians in the minimized ditch than in the maximized ditch. Now I've met some Christians over the years that they're. I remember this one lady I'm thinking of. She really did think that the world. That the sun rose and set on her. 
I'll never forget it. She just thought, I mean, God wouldn't make a move in his, from his holy throne without consulting her first. How many of you know that lady was in pride and she had too high of a value of herself? You understand that? Have you ever met anybody like that? But, but, but for every one of those kind, I've met so many more that are in this ditch on the other side that they think less of themselves than they ought to think. And the devil will, will minimize you. He, he will. He really will. And you know how he does it? He does it primarily through comparison and through size. Comparison and size. Uh, the devil will go out of his way to try to get you to compare yourself with other people. And the Bible says, and we'll get to more scripture on that probably next week. But when you compare yourselves with other people, the Bible says you're unwise. You're unwise. It's unwise to compare yourself with other people. Because you're always going to be able to find somebody that can run faster than you. That can jump higher than you. I don't care if you are a tiddlywinks champion. Do you all even know what tiddlywinks is? But I'll guarantee it to you. There's somebody on this planet that can shoot tiddlywinks better than you. Do you hear me? Because there's always going to be somebody that can do it a little bit faster, a little bit higher, a little bit. But the devil tries to get you to compare yourselves with other people. And, and, and I, I know in, 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 my, in my life, you know, we do not have the largest church in St. Louis. And the devil has beat me over the head with that for years and years and years and years and years. He's even had, I mean, people, good people that have attended here in years gone by. And, and they've even come up to me and they've put their arms around me and they've said, I just feel so badly for you that you don't have the biggest church in town. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, in every kind of variation on that, you can imagine. And, you know, you listen to that over time. I haven't heard so much of that over the last couple of years. And, you know, I can tell you one reason why that is, is I made a decision several years ago. I'm not going to let that bother me anymore. And, you know, the devil, you know, he's he's a lot like a group of junior high school students. I learned this. I didn't mean that ugly, by the way. Maybe I meant it a little bit. But I learned this in teaching. If you don't let what those junior high kids are doing bother you as a teacher, they'll tend to not do it as much. Now, if you've never taught junior high, you don't know what I'm talking about. But there's always going to be a kid that's going to, you know, when I'm up teaching, they're going to do that. You look around and, and then they sit there and they smile so pretty. Johnny, did you do that? Oh, no, no, no. You know, but if you don't let them bug you and get to you. They tend to stop doing their little silly things. And I know I, I years ago, I just, I, it's not going to bother me anymore. And I come to, but I, 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 you need to understand something that God doesn't look at things the way we look at it. I said, he doesn't look at things the way that we look at things. You've got to get that through your thinking. He doesn't look at things the way we look at things. You, 
You know, there's some cults, C-U-L-T-S, you know what I mean when I say cult? There's some cults out there that have tens of thousands of people in attendance. But if they're all going to wind up in hell, what, how successful is that? Hmm? Think about that. How many of you ever heard of the Beatles? I think they packed out Shea Stadium years ago. Is that Rosa Shea? I think it was Shea Stadium in New York. Packed it out. Tens of thousands of people. But how successful are they? I don't necessarily want to follow them. Especially not spiritually. See, size, we can get so caught up on that. And the devil will try to do that to you. And get you caught up on size. Bigger friends is not always better. Hmm? If you needed brain surgery, would you want them to bring out the, the big old tongs that my wife uses to pull potatoes up out of the uh, boiling pot? Or would you rather them get out the real tiny instruments that they're going to need to go into your brain? And you want, See, bigger is not better if we're talking brain surgery. Is that right? Now, sometimes there is a need for something big, but there's also a need for something that's not so big. The point I'm trying to get across to you is don't, don't mix your identity up with how big something is or how small something is or etc. So, can you say amen? Back years ago when I'd let this bother me, I'd hear people say, well, we just attend that little church over there in Fenton. And boy, that used to bother me because I want something big. I don't let it bother me anymore. Don't let the devil get under your skin. And you know, it's been so much more enjoyable since I don't let that bother me anymore. I've been called a pastor a, 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 a church of this size. What difference does it make how big it is? You saw on that screen up there today, we've helped, we've helped multitudes of people. We've seen, and, and she was talking about missions, but we've seen multitudes of people healed over the last 20 years. We didn't get them in masses. We got them one here, three there, five there, six there, two there, one there. But you count them up, there's been thousands and thousands of people that have been healed in this ministry, in this church over the last 21. Isn't that wonderful? So don't compare, say, I will not compare myself with anybody else. You need to realize you are a unique individual. There's nobody else like you. And there's nobody can be you like you. And there's nobody can be me like me. Is that right? We all have an individual set of fingerprints. Is that right? So there's nobody can be you like you. There's nobody can be me like me. We need to be who we are and don't get caught up in... Comparing ourselves. You need to realize, though, what kind of a devil is a devil? He's a ditch devil. And don't let him get you into ditch on one side or the other. I was just thinking about this. Have you ever heard of David in the Bible, King David? Now, if, if David was going to listen to the devil, do you think that the devil is going to bring up that, Hey, David, you know, you're a man after God's own heart. Or do you think the devil's going to bring up, hey, David, you committed adultery. Which one do you think the devil's going to bring up to David? Oh, yeah. Do you think the devil's going to bring this up to David? Hey, David, remember that time you killed the giant? Or do you think the devil's going to bring up, you had Uriah killed 
on the front lines, which one do you think the devil's going to bring up? You need to realize that about the devil. How about Rahab? Do you think the devil's going to bring up, hey, Rahab, remember the time you protected the spies, you protected God's servants? Or do you think that the devil's going to bring up, hey, Rahab, remember, you're a harlot? Which one do you think the devil's going to bring up? The devil will always try to minimize us. How about this one? Hey, Peter, remember the time you walked on water? Or do you think the devil will bring up this? Hey, Peter, remember the time you got out on the water and you sunk? Which one will the devil bring up? He'll bring up the sinking. But remember, Peter walked, didn't he? Let's don't let the devil minimize us anymore. What do you say? If we're ever going to do what God wants us to do and be all that he wants us to be, we're going to have to get a revival, including me, in, 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 on the inside of, 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 of our identity. We could go on and on. How about the Apostle Paul? Hey, Paul, remember you wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. God used you to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Or do you think the devil's going to bring up, hey, remember when you had all those Christians killed? Which one's the devil going to bring up to the Apostle Paul? Don't you hate the devil? He's so slimy. But he works on each and every one of us and he tries to minimize us. Look at Romans 12.3. Look at Romans 12.3 in the Amplified Bible. I hope this is helping you. Because if you're ever going to be all that God wants you to be, if, if this church is ever going to be all that God wants it to be, we're going to have to make some changes from, from the pulpit to the pew, from me to you all the way. We're going to have to make some changes in how we see ourselves. And we, we cannot let the devil minimize us. We cannot allow people, even well-meaning people, to minimize us any longer. When I got this email from Lynn Mink, it, did, it, it blessed me on the inside. It blessed me that somebody like that, that God would speak to somebody like that to, to uh, send here. To this church. And you know what? I want to just tell you something. And normally I wouldn't do this. But I feel impressed to do it. And and I feel like I've passed a test. But I'll, I'll be tested again. But I told my wife. I said now when we respond to him. I'm just, I'm being, I'm, I'm doing my Joyce Meyer here today. I'm being as, as open as I, I'm laying myself bare to you. Maybe it'll help you. I told Diane, I said, I said, when we respond to him, we have to make it clear to him that we have a smaller church. Now, why would I say that? There's a problem with the identity. Huh? I said, we have to make it clear when we send that email back to him, we have to make it clear to him that this is a smaller setting and he may not want to come to a smaller. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Nothing. Can you say amen? Amen. Is it right if I'm just honest with you? And so bless God, when I responded back to him, I didn't say a blasted thing about size. Somebody say, way to go, Pastor Terry. Say, rah, 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 sis, boom, bah. Yeah, I didn't say a blasted thing about size. 
I said, I'm excited beyond measure when I read your email. I've followed you on television since the 1980s. Your ministry has been a blessing to me. It's an honor and a privilege to have you come to minister at Summit Church. Uh, the direction the Lord's given you bears witness with me. I'm in great anticipation of the things the Holy Spirit will say, sing, and do through you this coming June. We'll be more than happy to, to, to bless you in any way that we can. And gave him my cell phone number and just let me know what you'll need for the service and we'll have it ready for you. I didn't say a blasted thing about size. Can you say amen? I'm not going to let the devil do that to me no more. Didn't bring up a word about it. And I'm not going to either. Amen. Glory to God. Because we're just as important as anybody else. That change has to be made on the inside of me or we're never going to be all that God has for us. Come on, let's do Romans 12, 3. Do you have it yet? For by the, this is in the Amplified. For by the grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. So we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but there is a, there, we should think highly of ourselves, but not more highly. We should think of ourselves as who we are in Christ. Realize, say, in Christ. That's important. Now, uh, just listen to this. I'm not going to go on too much longer, but just listen to this. I've had a problem with, when I was, and you've got to remember, the devil is a what kind of a devil? A ditch devil. A ditch devil. Growing up, the, until I got to be in my, in my mid-teens, I had a problem with pride. I really, I, I was a bragger. I was braggadocious. I thought I was the greatest thing that there ever was. And, 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 and all of a sudden, when I got to be, I don't know, probably around 14, 15 years old, uh, one of my friend's brother made this statement. And he said, we don't want to be around Terry. He's a bragger. And he was, but he was right. But that hit me in just a certain way. And right there then, I jumped because my wife will tell you I'm a ditch person and the devil's a ditch devil. And he don't care which ditch you're in as long as you're not in the middle of the road. And when he said that, something happened to me. And I jumped from one ditch and guess what? I jumped all, I, instead of jumping to the middle of the road, guess what I did? I jumped all the way over to the other side. And then I remember uh, in high school, I remember right where I was. How many of you know the devil's slimy and he'll get involved? And I remember right where I was at Eureka High School, right where I was in, the, in that Dorothy Williams Theater. Is it still the Dorothy Williams Theater? I remember sitting in there watching a play and, and, and the devil, he comes at you with those fiery darts. And he right in here, he said, you're not as good as anybody else. He said, God doesn't love you as much as he does everybody else. He said, God would never do for you what he would do for other people. And, you know, from that day to this, I've struggled with that. And I've even had my mother, is it okay that I'm talking with you like this? My mom told me many times, she said, you're no better than anyone else, but you're just as good. That's the truth, isn't it? 
And I even had a, a prophet of God, a for real prophet of God who couldn't have known that I was struggling with this. He said this. He said this. The Holy Spirit said this to me through him. Listen to this. He said, you have a hang up. And you know, an in, in inferiority complex will hang you up. He said, you have a hang up. You feel inferior as though you're not good enough. He was exactly right. But you are good enough. Is what the Spirit of God would say. Just as good as anybody else because you have my nature within you. Well, in Christ, we are good enough, aren't we? But, you know, even after hearing my mom tell me that so many times and then the Holy Ghost told it to me, I still, you still, you know, the devil doesn't go away just because the Spirit of God tells you something. You've got to take what the Spirit of God says. You've got to take the good advice your mother told you. You've got to take that and you've got to wage a warfare with it. If you're ever going to overcome, in this case, an inferiority complex. Has anybody in here dealt with that besides me? I mean, anybody? Well, this is helping you then. And, and I tell you what, from the time I've been in high school to the present hour, my wife will tell you, I've had to battle this thing. And I'm getting closer to having the total and complete victory over it. I haven't got there yet, but I believe this year we're going to get it. Can you say Amen. Can you say amen? amen? And I'll guarantee it to you if you talk to most Christians and you ask them, you know, tell me, tell me something about yourself and whatnot as it pertains to the Lord and whatnot. I'm talking about born again, spirit filled people. I bet you most of them are going to still, as you listen to them, they're going to, they're going to say, well, I know I'm saved, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm just not too much. I'm just not. Too much, and you know, I'm I'm the little toe in the body of Christ. I bet you you're going to hear that from from more people than you, more Christians than you'd expect. But I'll tell you this much: even if you are the little toe in the body of Christ, you still outrank the devil. Amen. And you outranked, and we'll get to it. I don't think we'll get to it today, but you you outrank every Old Testament prophet because Jesus said, "He who is least in the kingdom of God is greater." Than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the greatest prophet born of a woman. Isn't that wonderful? But I've come to see this. It doesn't matter. Let's go, in Christ, there, there's different functions. We, and we'll get to it as we go. But in Christ, we're, he uses the, we're, we're members of the body of Christ. And how many of you know that um, you know, there's different functions? Your eyes, there's a different purpose for your eyes than there is for your legs. Is that right? And there's a different purpose for your ears than than there is for your toes, right? But how many of you know all of it's important? I know I heard uh, Tony Cook, a friend of mine, say this, and I'm not name dropping, by the way. (laughs) But, but But he said this. He said, think of your lungs. All they do is air in and then what? Air out. Air in. Air out. Air in, air out. That's all they do. All day long, all night long. They've been doing this in me for 52 years now. That's all they do. How many of you glad that that's, they're there to do that? But now your mouth does all the talking. And your feet do all the walking. And my wife got me some new boots for Christmas. And I've been going around singing that Nancy Sinatra song. These boots were made for walking. And that's just what they'll do. One of these days these boots are going to walk all over you. Bom, 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 bom. You know how I know that song so good? When I was in 
sixth grade, that's, they had a record player and they had one record and that's what it was. And so we played that probably 10,000 times when I was in the sixth grade. So I know that song by heart. But be that as it may, have you ever stubbed your little toe? Now, now, now you're looking up here at me now. You see my eyes, my nose, my, my, my tongue's been talking and, and, but now you haven't seen my little toe, have you? No, you haven't seen it. Anybody want to see it? No. But, but, but you know what? Have you ever stubbed your little toe? And when you stub your little toe, does all your attention in your entire body go right to that little toe? You know it does. Huh? You, 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 you know it does. And they tell me that if your little toe were to be removed, it would affect the balance in your entire body. I know this, I just had a root canal done not too long ago, and, and I have had two of them now. It's, all that is is nerve, it's like a, doing a filling, it's not that big of a, well it's a bigger deal than a filling, but, but, but <laughs> I remember I had to go in some time ago, for, a couple of years ago for some work on this, this jaw back here, it was deteriorating and the guy said, the gum, the gum, yeah, and, and I go in there and this is just a gentle man, he's so gentle. Until I got in the chair and he numbed me up. And then he turned into like the guy that run the jackhammer. You know, I don't know what happened, but I'm in there and my legs are kicking. I didn't feel any pain, but it was, how did I get off on that? I don't know. But but he numbed my jaw here not too long ago. And he said, we're going to have to numb it up pretty good. And uh, he numbed it up. And what I'm trying to tell you is, is that, you know, inside of your mouth here, have you ever had a tooth abscess on you? Well, I tell you what, you have, I mean, you may not see a tooth back here. It may not, you know, you may not see my tooth. But if this tooth, it was hurting some months, a couple of years ago. I tell you, I, I told the guy, I said, when I went, went into the office and I'm laying in the chair, I said, you do whatever you have to do to stop that pain. I said, if you got a root canal in my whole mouth, I said, I want that stopped. What I'm trying to say is the little parts, you know, you may think you're just a little insignificant part of the body of Christ. But you're just as important as anything else. Amen. And so, so he did the root canal. But this one here, what I was telling you about, is he numbed that up. And I've never had anything numbed like that. He said it might be numb longer than... It was numb for hours. And I remember I got home and I was supposed to take some medicine and, and I couldn't swallow. So you just numb your jaw. You just, just What I'm trying to say is things that we don't normally think about. Just numb your jaw up. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't take the pills. I thought they were going to get stuck in my throat. I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink anything. I I got something in there and it started dribbling out of my mouth, you know. It was horrible, you know, and it was just lasted for a couple hours. The point I'm trying to make is, you know, the parts of the body that we... um, Let's talk about a pancreas. A what? What you talking about, Willis? A pancreas. Now, most people don't even know what that is. But you better be real glad you've got one. Because you can't live without it. And if something goes wrong with your pancreas, it can, it, it, you, you, you may not see, without the healing power of God, you won't see your next birthday. Did you hear what I just said? And there's nothing they can do at the doctor's office to help you. Very little. Did you hear what I just said? So, what am I trying to say? You might think you're a li- the little, let's just, I, I was, I'm going to have to pick up with this next week, but you're going to come back, aren't you? 
Because we're going we're gonna to get the victory over inferiority. We're going to get the victory in our identity. We're going to have a revival. And then we're going to go on to whatever else God has for us. Can you say amen? But let's just close right here. And then we'll just pick up next week. And we'll preach the rest of what I had for today. And then we'll go on. Ephesians 1.19. And what is the exceeding greatness, Ephesians 1.19, what's the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, say far above, far above all principality and power, might dominion, every name this name, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and put all things where? Under his feet and gave him Jesus to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So where's the devil? The devil is under Jesus feet. Jesus is the head. We're the body. So even if you're the skin on the bottom side of the little toe of the body of Christ, even if that's who, where you function, even if that's where it is, how many of you know there's nothing wrong with that? How many of you, the skin on the bottom of your little toe is important to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want there to be a cancer on the skin on the bottom of your little toe, would you? Because if there was, you'd be, you'd have full attention on that, wouldn't you? Is that right? So even if you were the little, the skin on the bottom of the little toe of the body of Christ, you still are far above, say far above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would. I'm going to stop right here. I only preached about half of my sermon today. But we're going to talk about some things over the next weeks. And it's going to help you. It's going to help all of us. It's going to help all of us. Praise God. By the time we get done with this, we are going to have a revival in our, in our, in our souls. Man, I'm telling you what, it's going to be good. And all of us are going to rise up to the full potential, including me. We're going to rise up to the full potential that God ha- has for us to function at. We've been only functioning just at a fraction of what God has for us. But, but in order to be all that God has for us, we're going to have to have a revival in our identities. Not think more highly of ourselves, but I tell you what, we've got to think the way God thinks about us. We've got to see ourselves the way God sees us. And we've got much to share with you over the next coming weeks. So come back, be in on these sessions, and something good is going to happen to you. Something good is going to happen to me. Something good is going to happen to all of us together. And we're going we're gonna to move on up in, in the things that God has for us. Praise God forevermore. Glory to God. Amen, 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 amen. Just, a, just, a, just, just like a, like a, just, a, just like a, 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 just a blast of power. I see it in the spirit—a blast of power that'll be available to us. That we'll walk in, we'll flow in. Joy on, oh yeah, joy, joy. There's going to be greater joy, my goodness, than we've ever had. My goodness, it's available to us if, if, if we'll, if we'll flow in what God has for us. And let it start with our identities of who we are in Christ. Amen. So be back. Be back on these Sundays for these sessions. Praise God. Hallelujah. Also, I'd encourage you to get in on those Wednesday sessions where we're looking at heroes of faith through the ages. Because a lot of these guys and gals dealt with the same issues we deal with. And we'll see how they overcame them. We'll see how some of them didn't. 
But you know, if we learn from other people's mistakes, we don't have to make the mistakes ourselves. Is that right? It's going it's to be good. Praise God. Now, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never received him as your Savior, you've never repented of your sins and asked him to come into your heart, you need to do that. You need to get in Christ before you leave here today. So I want to encourage you to do that. You say, why, why do I need to get in Christ? So you'll miss hell and make heaven. That's the first reason. And then, this, and then, then the reasons from that go on and on and on. He'll make your life worth living. 